Welcome to episode 56 of Coffee Pods and Wads, sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness-focused drink to support your performance, and also kindly sponsored by Ollie Clothing, a brand dedicated to helping you in your pursuit of success. They make products that support all active endeavors, and they create content that adds clarity and convenience to the self-development process. They also currently have an absolutely barn-busting sale on at the minute for summer. It's only on for another couple of weeks, so get over the link in my bio there and you can have yourself a bargain. I know I probably sound like a broken record, but sharing the episodes in your stories, reviewing the podcast online, subscribing on whatever platform you listen on, that's how the podcast grows. It'll only grow through word of mouth and you taking those 10 seconds or whatever to put something up makes a massive difference for me. Um, you can become a citizen of Caffeination at the link in my bio as well. And there's also a discount code for a whoop strap on there if you're considering joining. Um, if you've already joined, then get on the show league. You can use the code COM, C-O-M-M, all in caps, hyphen, two zero zero eight two eight. The shitness of that uh, just makes me laugh every time. It's so like clunky to say it. Anyway, COM, uh, C-O-M-M, all caps, hyphen, two zero zero eight two eight. So catchy. Uh, today's guest is Roy McKernan, um, the face and jawline of CrossFit Broadcasting for years. From seminar staff to silent reporter to anchor, um, Rory has seen it all. We chat about his time at HQ and his feeling towards it since leaving, as well as how he found the process of writing a book with Catherine David's daughter, working with Noble, and taking on an exciting new role with Rich Roning and Mayhem. We also reminisce about the time he stood in human shit in Navin. So we really do have something for everyone on here. I was actually really nervous for this one, but I think I did a really good job of hiding it. I don't think I made it obvious, and I definitely don't think you noticed it. Uh, enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, it's one of the more nerve-wracking ones for me, I think. like There's certain ones I can kind of compartmentalize it and be like, all right, that's fine. It's just whoever, you know, but then when it's someone who I think has been either like the face of the coverage of the sport for whatever nearly 10 years and then has done so much since it's kind of like oh shit like what if i fuck this up <laughs> <laughs> oh dude you give me too much credit man you give me too much credit um, so no, it's just that fun we'll we'll bleed you in nice and easy so do you drink a lot of coffee um too much and well i should say i recently made a shift and so um and what i mean by that is like the last probably four to five weeks I was like, I really like, I think I have a problem. I need to shift down oh, really? and, uh, and chill out a little bit just because we were, we were going to run mayhem madness. Yeah. And I found that my relationship with coffee at, at times like that will be like, Hey, let's do this. You know, like I'll start my day with a five shot espresso and then just keep going from there. So, uh, when I say slow down, I mean, I'm just have a couple cup of co- couple cups of coffee a day now. So, uh, but yeah, total coffee lover. And are like, are you snobby about it? Are you really picky or are you just kind of like whatever's there? It's really funny. Um, so I've been in Cookville now for a year, but before that I was in Northern California and I feel just by virtue of living in Northern California, like you have to be snobby. Yeah. Um, just in general. It just kind of comes to the territory, you know what I mean? And, um, but since moving here, it's kind of catch as catch can. Like what, what, until Rich opened up his coffee shop, there's a couple of cool little spots, but the coffee's not snobby, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's a good atmosphere, a fun place to hang out, um, but nobody's really snobby about the coffee here. So I don't really have a choice, you know? Like, Starbucks was, is really the biggest show in town right now. Yeah, I got, uh, I had, um, I got a bag of good dudes, like, mm-hmm. when it first started up. 
but I couldn't continue to get it because I was like, I can't justify buying a bag of coffee for like whatever, $11 and then paying like $20 to have it chipped to uh, other countries. I was just like, mean, one, the, one will do me for now. That stuff is so tough. Like the, uh, you know, uh, international shipping and all that yeah. kind of business is always kind of a little bit of a hiccup, but I'm guessing you guys have, I mean, I remember that that was one of the highlights of my trip was um, butter and coffee in when I was in Ireland. I was like, and, and the pastries actually. That's funny because I was talk. I spoke to uh, Sammy, and she. I mentioned that when she was doing the um, United Movement with yeah, uh, talking Leaf Boys were talking to her when she was doing it, and I said like, oh, one stage you were cooking, you took out Kerrygold, and I already fell off my chair. So it's funny that you mentioned that <laughs> as well. Um, one of the things I love hearing about from guests is like coffee memories, or you know, maybe they might center around like moments of time or places that you were or people that you're with or anything is there anything that kind of stands out for you um wow it's funny well i'm gonna, just gonna give you the first thing that hit my mind um because that's a, a unique question i didn't see it coming um one of my favorite coffee memories of all time was um i grew up in texas i went to school, university in southern california and during my time in southern california me and a buddy decided one summer that we we're going to go to new zealand for the entire summer break, which was huge. It's like four months or so. And so we went down there and obviously it's Southern hemisphere. So we did a ski season and it is my first experience. Um, I'm sure it existed in the States, but um, of a coffee shop that was like, it was the most cozy, comfortable, uh, wonderful experience that I'd ever had walking into this place, big leather couches. And it was also the first time that I had seen a barista actually like draw something in the phone. Yeah. You know, which nowadays it's like just about anybody and everybody could do that, even with a home coffee maker. But um, it was the first time that I saw people take great care with coffee. And that was in Queenstown, New Zealand. And I, I don't remember the name of the shop, but I would uh, I ended up going there all the time. I became obsessed with it. And even even to this day, when I think about like, man, what would I want to do in retirement or what would be a cool addition to the place that I live? Um, I have yet to find. I guess kind of New Zealand in general as a culture has kind of like that, that coffee shop culture. Um, I experienced a little bit when I went to Australia recently too. Um, but there's, uh, I haven't really found that in the United States. So uh, yeah, probably, yeah, I'd say like California is probably the closest you get to it. I'd say that kind of hipstery kind of like love of coffee. Cause I think like Australia yes. and New Zealand kind of have the market cornered globally because yes. they just, they really know what they're doing. And then Agreed. from the Americans that I've talked to, California seems to be the place that every, like when I ask that question of most people that have been on from America, the answers tend to be like, oh, well, I was in California or I was, you know, like it's something around there. So I think yeah. that seems to have been the closest. But yeah, like sure, look, when things settle down even more, you can take over Rich's Cafe and start turning that into what you want. <laughs> well, we're already, we're, you know, already it's great. I get, I get a lot of input on it. Yeah. And, um, and even in California, what I've never seen is, and this, listen, it wasn't, it wasn't every single coffee shop, but there's a, there's a coziness that has, I've never seen replicated to that place where I wanted to stay all day mm. and sit and have great conversations. And it felt, um, it was like equal parts library and the most comfortable living room you've ever been in yeah, with a big wood, wood burning fireplace. And, uh, it just felt immediately comfortable and like you could stay there all day. 
Yeah. To be fair, if you put a wood burning fireplace in, in a California cafe, like nobody would ever walk in. <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. Northern California actually gets pretty chilly. Really? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. You've been on, like, with podcasts, you've been on Talking Elite, like, Make Pods Great Again, Behind the Horns, like, you've done loads. Like, how do you ever feel, like, is it ever kind of daunting being asked the questions rather than being the one that's posing them to other people? I've been done it for so long. Uh, it's funny. Um, I no, I love it. Um, not necessarily being asked questions, but I love, I love this medium. Um, yeah. I think it was, was it Chase Ingram that introduced us? Yeah. Yeah. So I was literally on Chase's earlier today Yeah, and it was just rehashing um, old CrossFit games memories um, from 2014. And it's like, we came up for air and it had been like two hours and I was like, Oh my gosh, it felt like it went by in 20 minutes. So, yeah. um, no, I love it. I think I have a bad habit of trying to flip it around. Like my, my instinct is to ask you a million questions. So, um, that'd be so boring, so, you know, <laughs> <for everyone. laughs> I doubt it. I really doubt it. Um, here, here you are, man. You got a, you know, uh, like you said, you've, you've, inter- you've interviewed a lot of really cool people. Um, but, um, no, man, I, I love it. I love a good conversation. And I, I say that to, um, to most people, like if, if it was like, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would probably only podcast from then on. From, from that coffee in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Or just at least replicate it somewhere in the States. Yeah. You spent like nine years working at CrossFit and broadcasting with them. And like I said, at the start, you were like the face of, I guess, like so many shows are centered around it and like the, the the broadcasting side of the sport i suppose like is there any standout moments that you have from your time working there yes <laughs> a, t- a ton um man it's uh <clears throat> i guess i'll give you a few so quite honestly in all told i, I worked for the company for about 13 years okay initially i was with like an, an actual affiliate and then I was on seminar staff. So my first best memories of CrossFit and probably some of my brightest spots ever are from working on, a, on the seminar staff. Um, it was strangely like my, my consistency in the seminars coincided exactly with having my first child. And so I had to kind of pump the brakes and travel less. Um, but for, for a young person who loves fitness, who's really into nerdy conversations and great interactions, it's an absolute dream job. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, my, uh, th- those would be some of my best is the friendships you make, the, um, you know, some parts of CrossFit get a bad rap for disorganization or poor communication. Um, and be that as it may, the seminar team to me is the exact opposite where it was the first time in my life. And I was a pretty young man when I started, uh, where the communication and the, the, the direct feedback that you got was, it was phenomenal. It was like, um, it was uh, militaristic almost and like it's punctuality and what you could expect. But the, yeah, the feedback that you would get from superiors, like people who you genuinely looked up to and thought they were fantastic and very knowledgeable people was uh, literally life-changing for me. Um, And so those would be some of my, some of my brightest spots. And then of course, almost every single CrossFit games because I was the only, I've only missed one of them. And, and each of them kind of hold a special place in my heart, but, but all of the events that I've been a part of, um, even the ones where, you know, I was laughing earlier with Chase and Bill Brunler about um, the early years and pulling our hair out and 
really running in circles and feeling like we were chickens with our heads cut off. But even those, I look back with really, really fond, uh, as fond memories because, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to do something like that. And the, the, um, I don't know. They, the hardest times that I remember are definitely my fondest memories as well. Cause you kind of feel like you went to battle with some people and you come out on the other side of it. Like the high fives and the chest bumps are super meaningful. So it's, it's kind that. of an evasive, it's kind of an evasive answer, but, um, no, no, I understand. Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint one thing as well when it's such a broad period of time as well. Like it's difficult to say like, Oh, well this one day, this thing happened. Right. You know? Yeah. Like say if you're there for, like you say, like involved in one way or another for 13 years. And then when everything started happening, um, like we won't dwell on it too much, but when everything started happening a few months ago or like say two, a couple of months ago, it does it hurt then when you're someone who's been employed there and then you hear like things, like people coming out of the woodwork and saying this is going on and that's going on. And maybe like, were you kind of thinking like, oh, fuck maybe that was happening when i was there and i didn't notice it maybe i deliberately turned a blind eye maybe i wasn't aware of it and i should have been aware of it or were you like why are people saying stuff like you know like is it is it hard to kind of deal with like part of your past coming back when it's kind of some of the stuff that was said is almost indefensible because like if you say like oh no that didn't happen then you're one of the kind of protectors or whatever you know yeah i do know what you mean it's a great question um, <clears throat> I wrestled with it in some respects and I guess the, the best way that I can put it is, you know, the facts that have come to light, like, no, by, by no stretch of the imagination, am I uh, aghast or surprised or, um, you know, um, in any way kind of like, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to like say, wow, I can't believe that was happening. What I, what I take issue with is characterizing the entire company, or I guess more specifically, people will use, the people will be like CrossFit HQ, and they'd be like HQ this and HQ that, and what does that exactly mean, right? And so <clears throat> there, I think that we're past this point now, and um, it, was, it was amazing to me actually that, that Glassman stepped down, but you know, uh, there, there are people that work for CrossFit HQ, and had never met Greg Glassman or were never even anywhere near his inner circle. And so that was my only, that was the only thing that I ever felt um, sad about was there's a legacy that was built by CrossFit that is wholly good and pure and has done such amazing thing and things and imparted such amazing change in a number of people's lives and revolutionized fitness, right? Um, that, uh, but that was one thing I didn't want to get bundled up and thrown out with the bathwater, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, so that, that was my major consideration. And so does it, does it hurt my feelings? No, I think everybody needs to kind of face the music of, of what is and what isn't true. And um, I think that social media doesn't allow for those kind of conversations because it's a very complex topic, you know? Yeah. It's, um, uh, there, there were, and even, even the misunderstanding that people had of why people were so upset about Greg Glassman's tweet. It was obviously not just about his tweet. It was about a pattern of behavior that some people had been more exposed to over the course of a decade or more that they were really upset about and saying, <clears throat> excuse me, this is the final straw. And um, there's no way for me to rehash all that. But the, um, you know, some great conversations like the, uh, the Beyond the Whiteboard town hallish type meeting was was yeah. one place where I heard a lot of old school or kind of old guard people explain that better and say, hey, if this was death by a thousand cuts, this was just 
only because you're seeing cut number 1000, yeah. it doesn't mean that there weren't 999 that came before that. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think my two of my big frustrations were the one that I just mentioned, then also that saying there's, and, and this is kind of the, the atmosphere that we live in today uh, because of the introduction of social media, but you, you just can't take a complex conversation where there's so many facets to it and so many dynamics and, and nuances and put it into a caption that's got a limited amount of hmm. uh, a limited amount of space and and or you'll um, get cancelled before you get to your point if you're trying to, yeah exactly right? like I, right? even i was telling someone like what was going on at, like when everything was happening i was like oh jesus like this you know like last was after tweeting this and this is after happening or whatever and then the reaction was like right okay and like what do you think is going to happen i was like well i don't know like there's a lot of people saying they're out they're like just because of that and i was like well no like it's more nuanced and there's a lot more to it but like you know as far yeah. as you're concerned yeah just because of that like that's enough but like i think one thing that i wanted to commend you on like and i don't want to sound like i'm blowing smoke up your ass but like i think i admire your dedication to the community because it would have been easy like you mentioned the whiteboard the town meetings kind of there like it would have been easy to sit back and like see what happens and you know like wait and be safe i suppose and just be like you know i'm not really going to say anything one way or the other i'm just going to kind of sit back and wait till this all blows over and then i'll decide how i'm going to react to it but i think you kind of threw yourself into the middle of it and i suppose gave or like opened channels of communication that kind of needed to be there because i think people i know affiliate owners and other people wanted an opportunity to voice like their concerns and to be listened to and to have like have the questions that they had somewhat answer i know there was obviously no like obvious answers to the questions that they had but at least they could get some form of reassurance and i think like you know those meetings and stuff that you set up on zoom i think was something that kind of needed to happen so i think like you know kudos for setting that up because it, it would have been like i said it would have been easy to just be like oh fuck it i'll just wait and see what happens well and and uh thanks but you know on the on the flip side of that after you know there was there did come a point where i was like man it's <clears throat> kind of what I was trying to say before it's I was like it is almost impossible short of hosting my own podcast to get across all the sides of this and even then you would fall short and so I, I, I in many respects feel also that um, I don't know what I could have done differently but um, I suppose the outcome that we that we've come to is ultimately what I think is the best is the best for for the future of the company thriving and for affiliates and for people who are involved um, so I'm glad we got here. And so I, I don't know that I would change anything if I could go back and do it again. But, um, but yeah, it was a, what a, what a crazy, crazy roller coaster of a time, you know? And again, in the grand scheme of everything else that's happening, it was, I think I, it was I didn't so, realize how, I think it was because it was combined with everything else as well. It made it a real like powder keg where it was just waiting for yes. something to happen. Cause everyone had so much time. They had so little distractions, like so few distractions that it was like, it was going to take some like that thousandth cut that you mentioned didn't have to be as big as it was. It could have been anything. And it was just waiting to happen because there was so much confusion and so much, like you say, the 999 cuts before it pissed a lot of people off. So it just needed yeah. something to tip it over the edge. And I think like, I think it's changed that needed to happen, but I suppose like, have you met Eric? Have you spoken to Eric? Yeah, I did. Um, I did actually, he came out to a train with rich weekend um, I suppose that was two or three weeks ago now. And, um, I was really pleasantly surprised, um, by, by a number of things, but honestly, mostly his ability to, 
one, take criticism on the chin, even though he didn't really own it. So back to this conversation about, you know, who is CrossFit HQ, it was really funny. He sat and he did a con- he did a question and answer for about an hour, uh, which we didn't even ask him to do. He just, he volunteered and it was a huge benefit ad. And he took some hard questions and people were like, well, you guys this and you guys that. And he's like, look, I got to be honest. I don't own the company yet. Like this is before the, before the sale had been finalized. And he was like, you can't say you guys yet because I haven't even had a chance to like hold the reins yet. Yeah. Um, but he, um, he was really transparent. He made a very huge effort to listen more than talk. And um, fair play to him, like, because like, like you say, he didn't own the company. He could have just been like, oh, no, that's all those guys. Like, you know, that has nothing to do. You know, like it's, it totally. takes balls to kind of sit there. And I think it's shown, like, I suppose I don't really know any of these people personally. So it's kind of maybe easier for me to be objective because I've no, like, you know, I've no allegiance to anyone. I don't know Dave. I don't know Eric. I didn't know Greg. I don't know anyone like involved. But like, I think what the the kind of systems that Dave was starting to set up. You mentioned the seminar, working for seminar staff, how regimented it was and how militaristic it was and the feedback that was given and stuff. I think that's something that Dave was kind of bringing to other elements of the company when he was like his briefest stint as CEO. But those changes seem to have been for the good because they've been carried on or some of them have and then have been built upon and stuff. So I think like you mentioned about how it's the best possible outcome, like it, it really has been a phenomenal turnaround when you think about it. Because if you ask people maybe a month ago or a month and a half ago, a lot of people would have said, oh, no, it's finished. Like that's, you know, forget about it. But I think, like you say, the shock that of everyone being like, shit, he actually sold it. And then yeah. even before that, where Dave, like he was essentially blowing on a house fire like where everything was burning around him and he was just like trying to change what little he could change to make things better. And like, in fairness to him, he made a lot of changes that have stuck and things that are really good. Like those affiliate, uh, the kind of hunger game style representatives in the different areas and stuff. Like, right. Right. You know, that's something that's needed because when you've got an area as big as the U S with all those different like states, different cities and different states, different towns and different states and stuff like communication is something that was lacking. And I think my biggest shock, when he took over was he immediately started putting out information. And I think a lot of people were like, wait, what's going on? This doesn't normally happen. Like I know a couple of people here put up a screenshot of an email they got and they were like, that's the first email I've gotten off HQ in like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think um, Eric keeping that I, up is, is good as well. Like, you know? Yeah. And to see what that translates into, right? Like yeah. whether it was uh, if it's CrossFit or if it's like Amazon, a CEO is pretty much, you know, they, they, they've got a good 60 days or 90 days before you can truly say, yeah. okay, we're going to give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So yeah, to see, because <clears throat> imagine how much you have to untangle if you're this dude. Um, oh, and you know, that was another thing you said that I, that I agreed with. I was like, this, this dude just spent, I don't know what the price point was, but I know that it was a lot. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a hundred thousand like it was that's right that's right and, and so like think about that like he just paid a lot of money because ostensibly you got to think like obviously he sees that there's opportunity but i think also he loves this thing quite a bit to uh to buy a house that was on fire and um so you know step number one when your house is on fire before you can even think about rebuilding is to put the fucking fires out right yeah. and so i think um well, well, well time time will tell but you're absolutely right there were some there were some wheels that were turning some of those reactionary, right? Like it shouldn't take the entire world turning against you and, you know, coming to your house with pitchforks and, and uh, torches for you to impact, impart some positive change. But 
um, regardless of why it was happening. And yeah, yeah so we'll, we'll give him a little bit of time, but I, I do see a lot of promise just in the fact that there's change at all. And then the fact that I actually did have um, a really great first impression of him. And by the way, the other thing was that he at least six times during the weekend popped off his top and worked out right next to me, like at a train with Rich Weekend. So the dude, uh, he, he really walks the walk as well. And he was an affiliate owner and he's got some skin in the game. So I like that as well. We've, there, there have been people in the past, uh, well, one time really when um, Greg's uh, ex-wife um, sold her portion of the company, she tried to sell it to a venture capital firm. And the the whole community, there was an uprising. I don't know if you're around for that, for the Anthos deal, but it was um, it was a bunch of venture capitalists that didn't even know what a thruster or pull-up was, you know? And it just, the writing was on the wall that these guys were going to change the community for the worse yeah. versus this guy who's coming from the inside, but also has, um, you know, a, a very successful entrepreneurial background. Um, and he definitely knows what thrusters and pull-ups are, judging by his friend time as well. Say that again, sorry. He definitely knows what thrusters and pull-ups are, judging by his friend time as well. <laughs> I tell you what, he can definitely handstand push-up and, uh, and bar muscle up better than me, which isn't saying a lot. But, uh, but like I said, I was impressed to look over and see the owner of the company like, hell yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. It gives you a bit of hope, I suppose, just for, for the future of it. Like you say, that it's, it's nearly like that homegrown hero thing where there's a kind of sense of obviously financial investment, but a bit of emotional investment from him as well, which is cool. Um, when you finish with CrossFit then, like, I guess similar to, again, other people I've had on where that, like, it's kind of the rug is pulled out from underneath you and like, you know, there seems to be a certain way of life building up and you've got these routines in place where like this time of year you're doing this and then you're building up to the open and then you're doing all the open announcements and you're building up to the games and you're at the games and then you have it all pulled away and you're left just kind of exposed with just no plan and no kind of not much <laughs> of a warning. Like what was your, I suppose, first of all, I read an article or like a, a statement that you put out seen pretty quickly after uh all the changes and stuff and like your reaction was like really commendable where i think if i worked just say i worked on a podcast for nine years and i was told oh you're out like i definitely wouldn't have been as calm and collected as you were <laughs> i think it's like it speaks to your you know your personality that you were just like you know like it's just time to move on and we'll whatever you know it's just i think it was really an admirable reaction to everything that was going on around you yeah yeah thanks the um sorry my siri keeps on trying to talk to me too she i don't know if she's stealing stealing she my wants, audio she just wants to be involved <clears throat> she just wants to be involved which is understandable yeah. um yeah you know i i think that i i'm glad that it went down that way because it probably could have gone other ways as well but you know i, I guess there's, there's i've been exposed to a lot of people um the Ben Bergerons of the world. Obviously, I wrote a book with Catherine, people who focus on mindset quite a bit. I'm luckily, I'm lucky to be a very naturally optimistic person. Um, <clears throat> but with that in particular, I was like, you only get one crack at this. I'm obviously a public person. And I got to see people who had gone before me who were a bit more publicly bitter. And um, and maybe I had a little bit more time to wrestle with it, to be fair. But um, you know, it was authentic. Like I, I still to this day, no matter what we say about um, <clears throat> Greg Glassman, for example, I, there's so much that I owe to the man. Um, uh, I clearly am still involved in the CrossFit realm. I clearly still love the community and, and I still train with CrossFit, right? Like, it's not like I started bodybuilding as soon as I got fired because I was pissed off. Like 
it is a, to me, it's a, it's a fitness truth. It is something that I really do believe in. And, and it was even with, with the change in ownership and with the, all of these things that have happened authentically from the bottom of my heart, what I really didn't want was for CrossFit to die. I didn't want for either Greg to keep a death grip on it and um, it went down in flames because more articles come out or because, um, you know, affiliates uh, de-affiliate and people stop going to the CrossFit games and all these kind of things. So um, <clears throat> I love CrossFit. I want my kids to do it. Uh, I was I was so violently passionate when I worked because of how much I actually do believe in it. Um, and so with that post in particular, it was like, there, if I took for granted all the things that had happened during that time and the goodwill that I was shown, then it would have been a slap in the face or it would have been a lie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would have, and it would have cheapened everything that I had done. You talked about my Ireland trip. People didn't invite me to Ireland just because I'm a cool dude. They were like, I represented something. I represented an organization that they loved. Um, I, and I feel like I represented it well. And so that was a reward for having been involved with the organization it wasn't just like hey Rory's this cool dude for no reason or like some sort of Instagram celebrity it was um I lived and breathed CrossFit and represented them as a as a spokesperson and it was because of an authentic love for the for the organization and for what it stood for um so and yeah and it was obviously the, the perk of land the behind island is your first thing you do is just stand in a piece of human shit <laughs> people who haven't seen those videos have no idea what you're talking about so you literally yeah, stood on a turd when you i literally your... stepped oh yeah. man yeah first thing from the airport in dublin stepped on a inhuman feces you're absolutely right <laughs> that was so i kind of like i watched that like i watched part of it yesterday and part of it today i didn't know it existed i knew you had been here but i didn't know there was a documentary about it and uh i was watching it and i was like oh I don't really know what to expect here. Like, and I was kind of watching. It. I was like, "Oh, there's Rory." I was like, "Oh, he's a handsome man, isn't he?" And I was like, "It's no wonder he's picked to be like announcer <laughs> of the Open and all this. This makes total sense." And then I was like, "Why does he keep talking about like smelling and like sniffing? Like, you know, like checking was he smelling and stuff after traveling?" I was like, "Obviously, he's got a bit of bo after traveling. Everyone does. I mean, he's he's good looking, but he's still human." And then I was like, "Wait, oh no, he actually stood in human shit when he got out of his car." <laughs> <laughs> it was like my only pair of shoes walked into somebody's gym with poop on my foot oh yeah man. they're the kind of things that people usually leave on the editing room floor to be fair so that's right for putting that but in. see that's my kind of humor that's my kind of humor i like that i'm like let's just be real about this um, um another thing then like so I, I actually saw you at the games last year you had your rv in the in the car in the rv park the kind of noble i don't know yeah. what it, there's a name on it but i can't remember that steel thing but um, like later on that year, then that summer, your book with Catherine came out. And I suppose I was curious, like about the process of writing a book with someone for someone about someone else. And it's like, you know, is it is it easy to like or is it more difficult helping someone else to tell their story rather than, say, like telling your own or just telling theirs without them being involved at all? Like, you know, to write a biography yeah. about her on your own is one thing to write an autobiography about yourself is another thing. But then to write someone else's autobiography with them and about them and you reading their bits and them reading your bits and sharing what yes. you're doing, it must be a tricky process. So hard. It yeah. is so hard. Um, well, and throw on top of that the fact that um, it was both of our first book. And so <clears throat> we, we, we both 
kind of knew what we were doing, but it was a, it was a tremendously difficult process. So, um, where to start. And we, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit and talked about it publicly. So it's, I'll share it here as well. But yeah, there were, there were parts where we were at each other's throat as well, because it was, it's a hard language and it's a hard thing to get on top or to get on the same page about. And, um, truth be told, there's three different versions of that book. It was exactly what you said. There was me trying to write a book about Katrin in the absence of Katrin. There was a more autobiographical, autobiographical, uh, one written by her. And, um, and then there was finally the one that we published. And it, so literally there were three iterations and you can imagine how much work goes into that, um, the amount of communication. And then, you know, what we did have going for us though was a, a lot of shared history. So from the moment that Katrin stepped onto the competition floor, I was at the first regional that she went to um, and sparked up a friendship early on. And we've got, we've got a huge amount of comfortability with each other. So, so we did have that going with each other and any, any creative process that you're a part of is I've seen really, really funny um, <clears throat> sketchups. I actually should get a poster from my wall, but it's like, it's like, this is great. This fucking sucks. I hate myself. This is going to all fail. And then it's like, Oh, this is great again. You know? Yeah, so it's, it goes I've in talked this, about these... that before on this where it's like, I, every episode I get that, like where I'm yeah. mid recording it. I'm like, this is fucking gold. Like if there's awards going for this, this is going to, and then like two minutes later, I'm like, what did you ask that for you fucking idiot? Like this is in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah exactly um, and uh i don't know if you write it all but but it can be a very it can be a very lonely process as well and um luckily because there's, there's no there's no instant like feedback you're you're kind of that's right i suppose you had feedback from her and she had feedback from you but then i guess if say if you if you write a chapter about like something that you viewed as a failure that she had had and then she's reading it being like right. what like why are you bringing this up this is just hurtful like <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that we did luckily we never really had that it was more like a, a conversation first and mm. dictating how, how she wanted to tell the story and then and then we would commit it to paper but um luckily there's a lot of people who have now published about it um you know there's there's great books out there like uh brick by brick and and the mm. the war of art and um a, a many many others but um in podcasting as well. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts like with Tim Ferriss and he talks about the writing process and I'm like, great, I'm not crazy. Other people have trouble with this, even at the most successful level, you know? No, it's just even, that's just a flashing cursor at the start of a Word document. Like I get it where totally. I might have someone coming on and I'd be like, my kind of general rule of thumb is I'll spend an equal amount of time interviewing as I will like preparing for it. So like, you know, if, I'm, if I know I'll be talking to someone for over an hour, I'll spend a good hour and a half, two hours like researching them and trying to find like, I guess there's always going to be overlap with similar questions that they've been asked before, but you want to kind of be like a bit like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that or whatever. And then yes. the first thing is when you open the word document and you type, like say you just type like questions for Rory at the top and then it's just flashing and it's like, Oh fuck. It's like, like how do what's I your favorite them? color? Yeah. 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 It's like, so do you like dogs? Um, <laughs> uh, I think totally. like since you stepped away from HQ then, so like you worked with Noble, you've written that book, with Catherine now you're working with rich you're like the emails that i've gotten from you at the end it's like director at mayhem like you're keeping the community updated through social media and other outlets like jesus it's been quite a ride especially like when it could have been curtains after hq or i'm sure there was days yeah. where it felt like it was like i mean it's been some journey yeah. it's been some journey yeah that's the other part of the earlier kind of question where i was saying you know um 
when I left CrossFit or was asked to leave CrossFit, I, um, you know, my, my parting letter was gracious, but the, the emotions behind the scene were pure devastation. And I think anybody who has gone through being fired, it's an awful feeling, especially when you don't want to leave. And it, it was my first time. And so I, uh, because CrossFit was my first real career, you know, before that, literally I was like a fishing guide and a skiing guide. CrossFit was the first thing I found where I was like, oh, I'd like to pursue this for my life. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was turmoil. And, you know, prior to being fired, we had already decided to move to Cookville. So I, I really thought that I was going to move here and still work for HQ and kind of, uh, telecommute and work remotely. And so there was also the panic of like, I've got two children and a wife, um, and we're moving cross country and, uh, Oh my God, what are we going to do? That kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was also a, I, I like I, I mentioned Ben Bergeron and I mentioned, you know, like I, I love mindset type people. I'm not one myself. And so sometimes I feel cheesy when I kind of like, you know, spit this stuff, but this I believe to be true is it came at the exact right time. Like I needed to be pushed out of the nest before I, you know, I'm 38 years old. And so I probably quite happily would have stayed at CrossFit HQ and remained comfortable and probably not evolved as much as a person, if I'm being honest, if uh, if I hadn't been kicked out. And so it came kind of at the right time. And I do believe now that, you know, again, I think it's cheesy when other people say it and they're like, oh, one day this will be the best thing that ever happened to you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, kick rocks, man. I'm like, this sucks. Um, but, it, but it did end up like putting me into the freelance world. I... Um, I think of myself as a naturally empathetic person, but it put me in a position where I was like, oh, wow, I've, I've probably dealt with people who have been in, on this side of the ball a lot differently than I wish I would have in the past, you know, like, meaning people who had contracted for CrossFit, people who were freelance X, Y, or Z at these events. Um, and so when I found myself in that position, it was really, um, it was humbling and it was eye-opening and it was also gratifying to be like, okay, well, let's find a market price. Let's go make some freelance media, see how that goes, see how people respond to what I do or what I don't do. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting experience. And to find out like, um, you know, vlogging, for example, I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin when I was trying to be a vlogger. I was like, this just, it's just not me. And, and I think I would go back and just do it differently. But, um, you know, I always had this strange, aversion to like having an interaction like this and then being like hey wait you know what say that again i got my camera out yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i was like i just wasn't as good as that I, I love being produced and i love having a camera person there and interacting with them as well and so i learned that kind of stuff right you never would have known um the book with cat was just actually that was just like um really uh fortuitous timing because the book obviously had been in the works for over a year two years really prior to that so i was just really lucky um uh, professionally that I got to actually publish like right as I lost my job. Um, but yeah, all, all the things I did was great. I, I got to work with the folks at Noble who I learned a tremendous uh, deal from. Uh, it's a really cool brand. Um, while I lived in Cookville and got to kind of create the friendships here and work on Rich's event in January. And, uh, and then it all, yeah, it all kind of came full circle when, when Rich asked me to work for, for them at Mayhem. What's like that conversation like? So, Obviously, you're friends at Rich and you're living in Cookville and, you know, you've known him through the sport and he's obviously building, I suppose he's built, he's done the hard, like, foundation work on his own brand just by being, yeah. being as successful he ha as he has been. And then he's, 
building his like programming business and he's got his coffee business and he's got the cafe that you mentioned there and he's got the gym and those train with rich days and then he's got the competition and like there's a lot of fucking plate spinning going on there so like when he (laughs) mentions to you like oh i've got this opportunity i think you'd be good at it what do you reckon is there a sense of like oh man there's so much going on here and he's doing it so well that like it's nerve-wracking stepping into that kind of zone um yes and no i uh, the way that I approach most things is, and the way, like, whenever young people ask me for advice, it's the way that I recommend it to is just show up and provide value. And so um, even, and, and not to say that it always has to be done how it always was done, but like with CrossFit people, you know, it would be like, oh, how'd you get to where you were, right? And I'm like, well, no shit. I, I volunteered at the 2008 games. And then I semi, I basically volunteer worked at the 2009 games. And then from there, somebody identified the value that I was bringing. They asked me to work for CrossFit HQ. Um, And so I tried to do the same thing. You know, like there was an opportunity to serve um, in January for that event. And it ended up being, it ended up being more than I thought that it would be. But I think that was, um, I think it's a, they've got such so many great things going here and they do a really great job of making sure that they want people to authentically plug in, you know? And so, and it also helped, I think, that I came here not looking for work. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, really showed up and, and provided value. But was I timid about getting involved? Heck no, dude. Like, the, I've learned more from these guys in terms of, like, balancing back out my lifestyle. I'm naturally drawn towards being a workaholic. And I think those are some bad habits that I learned in my early days at CrossFit when we were all, there was very few of us trying to do a lot of stuff. Um, but no, it's a, it's a very balanced lifestyle. It's a very cool and um, um, they're very clear on their values and morals here. And so it's just been, it's been a really refreshing, um, it's been a very refreshing different pace. And, and like you said, like it, the fact that it was, it was very, very hugely successful in absence of me, being able to see if I can make some sort of a positive impact is, is a, a fun challenge. Yeah just burn it to the ground and ruin it <laughs> like it used to be so successful and then rory came along <laughs> yeah look at this guy what the, what happened <laughs> oh, don't say that <laughs> um i think like one thing that like cookville seems to be just like the epicenter for like fitness i was like it's just like a chasm that people keep getting drawn into like i know there's like tax stuff as well that plays into it but like the fact that you're there, Rich is there, Mayhem is there, T is there, Matt's there, Chris is there. Like I spoke yeah. to Chris a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, I mean, is there something magnetic about it? Or is it just like, I kind of, part of me feels like it's just like, everyone's like, well, I mean, Rich Froney's pretty fit. I'm willing to bet if we live within a five mile radius of his house, it's bound to rub off eventually. <laughs> um, well, a couple of things on that the well i've tried just living by rich and it does not improve your fitness um so so everybody i can like i can go ahead and and, and dispel that rumor um but for me i'll say this um we we knew that we wanted to leave california my family did you drive drive, like cross country in an rv to get there when when we moved here um we lived in an rv in california did you know that no, I did not. Yeah, so we lived in an RV, but we sold that. And uh, but yes, I did drive um, with a. My son and me drove my pickup truck with a 
like a standard size two horse trailer and all of our worldly possessions fit into that. And so uh, we were in a unique situation where we were like, we didn't really like the hustle of Northern California. Um, we were looking for a place where we wanted to raise our kids. Um, we've known Rich and Hillary since you know 2010, casually and then uh, more closely over the years. And I uh, really admired them and what they had going on. And so we kind of came to, to visit because my wife's from Michigan, I'm from Texas, and it kind of had, you know, it had elements of both here in Tennessee. And um, I actually came to MC at one of Rich's philanthropic events. And I had, I had also taught a seminar in Cookville before, I had an absolute blast. Um, but I was like, okay, cool, well, let's check it out. And so when I, when I came for that event, I, I came home and I was like, I, I don't know, babe, I think we could actually do it. I think we could make that home. Because what, what you don't see, and I think that we'll hopefully do a better job of, of highlighting it um, soon is like, I could throw a rock from my house and hit six different national parks. Um, it's green and beautiful. There's tons of water everywhere. Um, and it's, it's this really cool, casual, like um, kind of slower speed of living, at least than I'm used to. And uh, so we just fell in love with it. So I really do think that it's got a lure. So I, I think it's like uh, you know how in CrossFit they say uh, you come for the fitness and you stay for the community. Yeah. I think it was a similar thing. It was like we came for the fitness and then we were like, oh, this place actually has a lot more to offer. And, um, and it's, got all, it's got a million things I could tick off, you know. Like, and, of course, there's, there's always benefits and pitfalls, right? But um, people are, are a lot more generous and courteous. There's kind of that, that southern thing that I'm used to. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, we, we love it. And, and then your dollar goes a little bit further, too. So you mentioned the tax benefits and all that kind of stuff. But there's other states like that as well. Yeah. Um, so really, I think that, you know, people mention that, and it's true. But uh, beyond that, you, you get here and you're like, oh, wow, this place actually has a lot more angles to it than I thought. Yeah. What, um, what was your reaction? So like Rich's uh, nanos have come out. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious to know the reaction or was there any reaction when Castro started putting up his uh, home improvements on his? Because like I started off, I was like, I saw it and I was like, God, what a dick. And then I saw another video and I was like, okay, he's clearly just poking like as much as he can now. Cause he like doubled down and then he tripled down. And then he was like, you know what? I don't like laces either. It was just like, he's really going for a reaction. Um, it's great for I advertising. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Dave. Mine initially I was like, initially I thought the same thing. I was like, that's kind of messed up. And, uh, <laughs> when I texted him, he said uh, something to be effective. Hey, you do you and I'll do me. And I was like, you know what? You know, Dave, Dave will do Dave. Um, yeah. But uh, it was, uh, I, I do think that in his heart, he was being, he was being supportive and promotional. Oh, I, but like, I, I mean, know. it did a week's worth of advertising in like, yeah. five minutes like two stories yeah. and it was like so many people saw that and were like jesus what a dick it was like god it's actually quite a nice shoe like you know that i know that was my reaction like i was like jesus is he actually gonna cut it off and then i was like gosh no it's actually a nice shoe like i gotta like that i might get a pair of them like that was my reaction to it so i'm sure other people had the same reaction as well so that's awesome fairness that's too, awesome work. um yeah yeah it's hard hard to be mad at dave you uh so you were in ireland before and then obviously we've got like filthy i know that you're friendly with Darina and like you've yes. got like a lot of links in Ireland do you think you'll make your way back over oh for sure for sure it's um we had a tremendous time in in, uh, in all the places like you kind of saw uh, where we ended up and um 
it was like it was literally one of the one of the places at least in our recent history where me and my wife like the minute we left we were like okay next time we come back we're doing this 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 um so it's it's yeah it's super high on the list um my a bit of a sore spot i suppose but my brother was he was previously engaged and the wedding didn't happen but it was going to happen in ireland so i was supposed to be back last summer okay and uh but we're actively looking for for ways to get back there we, we had an absolute blast man and you can imagine like it was a bit uh it was kind of la la land like our kids weren't there we were yeah, traveling yeah. on crossfit's dime um and it you know making fun videos and stuff like that but um the yeah that's a really long answer to say hell yes I'm sure you can find a way to convince Rich that for some reason mayhem needs to have like specific advertising just for Ireland. You we need to go. You help me. You help me figure out how. And we've actually, you know, so um, you mentioned good dudes. There's actually the the coffee shop is called uh, Bison Brew. Yeah. And we've got we're starting to release our own beans with that as well. So maybe we'll hand deliver them, and you know, it'll be uh, yeah some important business interaction. Yeah, like Rich. I mean, like international shipping is just so much. It's probably just cheaper to send me first class, (laughs) and I'll just bring a bag. It's better for yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go. Um, we mentioned filthy there so like I suppose one of the things there's kind of been a few hints and a few like kind of rumors and stuff uh, since the sale and Dave has said some stuff and Eric has said how he really wants to push the sport and that the sport is the way to get people into the gym and stuff it's like you know well it's not free but like it's good advertising I suppose like where you know people aim to be at that level and they they aspire to be there so they get involved Um, do you think that like obviously it's difficult this year to make any kind of predictions because it's just so fucked up on so many levels, everything that's going on, but we'll assume like COVID dissipates and normality returns by like, we'll say September, the old, will, whatever's going to happen with the games happens. So we'll say like, are we looking, do you think yeah, regionals, sanctionals, some kind of mix of the two, like what do you think is going to happen there? Uh, I mean, dude, if, if, uh, like personal opinion, I know there's a lot of very. Uh, yeah, per, personal opinion. I am. I guess I'm operating. So, did you see the thing the morning chalk up posted this morning where Castro was on a podcast and he mentioned that well, one thing that affects our event, which is which is, um, I don't know, it's frustrating, is that not because of. I think this would make sense, but it sounds like the Open's going to move back to February. Yeah, our sanctional is slated for January. Um, so that would be a, a massive hiccup slash change slash what the hell does that mean for us this year anyways? Hmm. Um, you know, the, only, the, the big math, I think, for us and for people to understand, and here's the empathetic part of me that, that I mentioned earlier, is like I wouldn't probably have known as much as I do about this, is that sanctionals cost a tremendous amount of money to put on, whether you're trying to do a fantastic live stream or not. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult logistical and financial undertaking. And so I wish that I had an answer to your question because it would, it would answer a lot of our business questions as well. Um, it seems as if it will go back to something that looks and feels like regionals, but maybe incorporates local events in the way that sanctionals do. Um, and so I guess that means like an abbreviated timeline where things fit into a certain um, scope. So the beginnings in February at the open, because that seems all but officially announced at this point. And the games, as we know, typically happen in August. <clears throat> so I think that would move whatever semifinals look like, call them sanctionals if you want, call them regionals, call them, call them uh, sanction regionals or whatever. Um, it, it may be some sort of 
That name is never going to take off ever. No, I'm sorry. That was terrible. I was like, damn it. And in my mind, it could have been one of those golden moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got um, to hark back to that next year. Yeah, like, yep, exactly. Raise coined. Yeah. McKernan coined. Um, but, uh, I like the way you just totally left me out of that as well. Like, I'm not even involved. Like, that I wasn't part of the like, creative process there. That's right. You know what? Actually, be quiet down on your brainstorm for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know. So I think it'll be, I guess that would be my best guess. Would be, uh, or those are the only facts that I can kind of estimate is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the beginning. If that's the beginning and the end, everything else has to fit in the middle. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think that that means the end of events that aren't sanctionals that are still linked to CrossFit. I just think that um, in terms of the official CrossFit Games qualifying season, that, that seems to be the writing on the wall is that yeah. that's how it'll lay out. Yeah, well, I suppose like Keith branching off and kind of setting up his own yeah series i guess like that that seems to be the, the the way the things might go i guess further down the line but speaking of matt actually the united movement like hardest day of work that you've ever done <laughs> no um in fact and you know why the well like i said i could sit and bullshit like that all day long and I'm actually sitting at the exact same kitchen table yeah, that I was doing I for that. So like, like, like my bathroom is right there. Yeah. And I've never done a broadcast in my life where I was like, oh, got a five minute break. I guess I'll go get something for the fridge, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, got my kids in the house, even though they were, they were doing their best not to distract me. So I think that was one of those, uh, uh, I, uh, you would call it a benefit, but it sounds weird to call it a benefit of covid yeah. Where like everybody was working from home. That was the new norm. People didn't mind that your kids, your dogs were walking through the background. Um, I actually, I actually really liked the informality of that event. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was cool to watch as well. But I think speaking of like people who are good at bullshitting, I have to say I am so, so impressed with one, your relationship with Chris Hinshaw that you essentially just like wound him up. And left him sitting there. And we're just like, Chris, we've got an indefinite amount of time that we need to have filled because it's a technical issue with Sean Sweeney. Can you just talk for like, could be five minutes, could be an hour and a half. I don't fucking know. And he was just like, sure. And launched into like, and I, like, I remember watching it being like, I wonder if we're like, do we need to ask a second question or will I just leave it? Like, cause he just like kept going and it was phenomenal to watch. Like, <laughs> he, dude, he, well, he's the kind of guy who like, I'll tell you this. Making a making a six minute television show is far more difficult than making a podcast. And what I mean by that is when you're like, "Hey, we are going to commercial in thirty seconds, and you have to wrap up your thought and make it cohesive," is way harder uh, than going long form. And I learned that the hard way, like because early on, like even update shows, we used to those used to be like an hour and a half because we would just go down some rabbit hole about you know metabolic pathways. Um, so when we started making them short and snappy, it was a lot more difficult. Hinshaw is the kind of guy where you're like, you got to be in advance. Like, hey, bro, we got a minute and 30 seconds. Like, you know, prioritize. Because he's got so much in his brain that he is so enthusiastic about getting out that, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a blessing for a person in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Because there was other, there's other times where you're like. I had a better person to call on there. It was just like so totally. gratuitous that it was just like, Hinshaw's there. Get him on. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> exactly because other the worst thing that can happen is they're like you're on camera and you're like all right folks and we'll see you tomorrow and like right then the producer comes in and they're like hey we need 10 more minutes and you're like well <laughs> keep talking about i don't know what kind of bullshit i'm gonna come yeah, up yeah it's with. like let's go to the youtube uh, comments they're like scrolling yeah, frantically looking exactly. for something you can engage with exactly uh, um yeah we'll no, he's he a wind up and let go we'll finish up with a quick fire 
Um, so it's kind of like an either or uh, question. It's not too bad. Okay. Uh, so run or row? Row. Uh, barbell Always. or dumbbell? Barbell. Uh, gymnastics or cardio? Gymnastics. Oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> gymnastics. <laughs> My answer as well. Uh, deadlift or squat? Squat, surprisingly. Uh, team or individual? Team, for sure. Um, okay, and you're building a team to take on whenever the rescheduled mayhem madness is. Who do you draft to be on your team? So I, I'm, I'm against mayhem freedom? Yeah. Um, I would draft the... The women from, oh my gosh, I'm going to blow it on this. Uh, Andrea Nistler is one of them. And um, See, I would love teams. That is. Oh, yeah. That's, that's oh, yeah. Nice. Wait, we're trying to win, right? We're trying See, to win, you're right? You're not only boosting your own chances, you're scuppering other teams' chances by like poaching their players. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you want a comedy team, and then I'll get like Heber can come over. Like, we've, me and Heber have done a couple of competitions before. I was going to um, say, like, Eric so we, is surely the obvious. If you're drafting, like, you know, a, a non-elite level team. Eric is the obvious one because people are going to, like, even if you're 10 reps ahead of him in a competition, you'd be like, oh, shit, maybe I should let him, do I let him win? You think? Yeah. See, I don't think so. I, I think we got to, like, step on your throat and break the larynx kind of kind of uh, uh, community <laughs> around real, us. You know what I mean? Gone, gone is the, the full empathetic Rory McKernan. And now we've got that we're going to step on your throat that's, and crush your larynx. That, that's right. Yeah, welcome to, the, welcome to 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this, is this, the this is me moving forward. That's right. This is me moving forward. Yeah. Um, then, okay. So in that, in that context, Boz would be a great one to have on the team. You know, um, we've, we've worked well together in the past. Um, but if we're trying to win, yeah, I mean, I'm stealing, I'm stealing from other teams. Shut up, Siri. Um, Siri might be one of my women as well. Um, Amy Thor's daughter, I think, is going to make a fantastic CrossFit Games team member when she decides to if she decides to she kind of like hinted at that in the past yeah um she's got she's got some other priorities now though she's just she's currently being selfish so she's you know she's doing whatever <laughs> but hey she i can't imagine that she's going to be that much different she she called her shot she's like i'm coming back to competition and you look at someone like uh, Cara webb successfully bridged that ridiculous. gap like just ridiculous postpartum and then like hey yeah i'll do the open it's coming did up you see, uh, qualified did you for see the picture that annie put up today Yes. Crazy. It looks like she's holding a wall ball. <laughs> it does. It does. My wife was the same. It was my, one of my favorite memories. She would be like drinking a cup of tea and she'd just like oh, put it on her belly amazing. like it was a table, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, uh, man, she'd be a fantastic one. And then I guess, I, what do I need? One more female. I'm trying to think of who would be the ultimate female team member in terms of like fun and funny. But if you got a combo athlete. with Annie, you're looking at Kat, I suppose, because she'd be, you know, they're like they, they, they'd be hard to separate. Yeah. Um, and Katrin would be a fantastic like pick you up while you're feeling down, kind of. Or just teammate. take over if you're failing. Just be like, will you just do this? The rest of the <laughs> take over when I'm failing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Last two then. So, what's your best memory from the sport? Um. You be, some people won't believe it, but like when, when I'm not working, I'm actually fairly antisocial. Like the way that I recharge is to go into the woods or to go camping or to be mm -hmm. away from people. 
And so most years at the games, I would go and I would sit in that big ass soccer stadium afterwards. And I would just be by myself and I would watch Rogue take down the Zeus rig. And I I remember specifically like the the last couple of years at at, uh, StubHub or Home Depot, whatever you want to call it, um, just a tremendous amount of pride because we're on television for the first time. The, The stories we were telling were proliferating like you know the internet and changing people's lives and uh it would just it felt like a very professional sport um you know it, you know i was very very proud of what i was a part of yeah that's cool. um yeah so I'll, I'll i'll blanket statement that but um i'm sure I, like i said before i could come up with a million i feel like i lived a highlight reel for that whole <laughs> that whole 10 years um last one then who'd play in a movie who would play me yeah I would love to think that um, Ryan Reynolds would play me, but I'm definitely not as cool as I think. But I think that you know Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah. of him. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are like who? What? Um, I would have said Rob Lowe. He was. I've never asked anyone that question before, and the only reason I'm asking it is because if I don't see a picture of you for like you know, a prolonged period of time. Yeah. You and Rob Lowe just merge into the one person. <laughs> but see, Rob, Rob Lowe, like, he's not like a let my hair go gray kind of guy. He's a, um, but you know what's really funny? I was, I just showed, how old are you? 32. Okay. So, so then it's a valid question. You, are, have you seen Wayne's World? Yeah. Okay. So remember Rob Lowe was in that like super young and he was kind of the, the douchey agent. Oh, guy. he was like that Rat Pack or Brat Pack or something, wasn't it? Wasn't that, wasn't that yeah. Like him? yeah. And I showed uh, I showed some of the people at our organization the um, the sellout portion of Wayne's World, where he's yeah. like he's going through all of the sponsors, and uh, and Rob Lowe was in that, and they were like, "Oh, dude, you remind me of Rob Lowe." And uh, so it was the second day in a row that someone's giving me Rob Lowe. So that's my new answer moving forward. Yeah, I pro- I'd probably never ask that question again because I don't think it ever... The only reason I asked it is just because I was like, you know, he kind of looks like Rob Lowe. I'll ask that question. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'll take listen, it. thanks a million for doing this. I just uh, had a blast. I really enjoyed that. Um, Likewise, best of luck with whatever goes on at Mayhem. I'm sure you'll, you won't burn it to the ground. You'll have a good crack at it and it'll be fun anyway. And hopefully we'll see you back in Ireland soon. Yeah, thank you. Hey, what, what city are you in? I've never actually asked. Uh, Mullingar. It's just a town. Like okay. in the middle. Close to anything? Say that again. Close to anything that I would know. Um, is it is it considered the south or the north? Oh, like the Republic, but it's like yeah. bang in the center of Ireland. Like it's right in the middle. Okay. So like okay, cool. if you drove to Galway from Dublin, you'd go past it kind of. Okay. Yeah. I guess all that to say, I'll, we'll, we'll make sure to stop. When we do come to Ireland, it's probably sure it's probably work. easier if I come to you. To be fair, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll just well, you're always welcome to do that too, and I'll come to you. <laughs> okay, fair I'll, enough. Yeah. Well, and and oh, you're always I'm welcome good. in Cookville too, man. It's going to be uh, it is the Cookville. It is the destination. Yeah, someday maybe when my child is paying for me to go places and do stuff. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, when the podcast blows up, yeah. I, I or we copyright, we copyright yeah. sanctuary regionals. <laughs> <laughs>